Dear listeners, welcome to the fifth episode of the EDSO Policy Podcast Series. I'm Dr. Philip Lewis, founder and CEO of Vasa ETT and co-founder of the Traxis Group. And the special guest of today's episode is Professor Antonello Monti, professor at RWTH Aachen University and group leader at Fraunhofer FIT Center for Digital Energy. Dear Antonello, it's great to have you here. It's my pleasure, and it's uh, really looking. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Great. In this episode, I'd uh, be delighted to hear your expert insights on a very important topic: digitalization of the grid. Now, um, aging power grids with large centralized fossil fuel power stations are increasingly subject to major concerns regarding grid level emissions, the integration of renewables, reliability and other issues. As we rapidly transition away from fossil fuels, now now more than ever a massive European imperative, as we transition away from fossil fuels, that the grid was constructed to support towards renewables that place a different set of requirements on the grid, we face major challenges that need to be addressed efficiently, cost-effectively and quickly. This episode looks at how DSOs can use digitalization to build smart grids that meet these challenges. I'm looking forward today to talking with you, Antonello, about what these challenges are and how they can be approached through digitalization. So first up, I'd like to contextualize the situation, if we may. If we talk about renewables, especially solar and wind, what are, which are so-called non-dispatchable and intermittent resources, they are available when the renewable source is available. You can switch them off, but you cannot make them come back, of course, again, when the sun is not shining or the wind isn't blowing. Um, how do you manage that on a grid, Antonella? Okay, yeah. Let me start, let's say, with the history of power system in two minutes. Without a basic principle behind operating a grid, there are two key elements. The first one is we need to provide energy to the customers whenever they need. And the second point is that the grid itself needs to be balanced, which means how much energy we use, the same amount have to be at the same instant injected in the grid somehow. In the past, this was done in a reasonably simple way, which means customers were doing what they were doing, and they could be predicted quite well so that we could schedule power plant and deliver energy when we want. Now in the future, we have a totally different situation. As you said, we are dependent on weather conditions. So we are moving from a situation which the entering of this balance is strictly what the customer needs to a situation which the input to the system, so what we can use, is basically changing. So to keep the system balanced, we need to find other ways which are more on the customer side to bring this equation to a balance. And that means that we move from a relatively, always relative because we're talking about anyway about a complex system, a small amount of points involving this control, which were the power plant, to a new situation in which we have a huge orchestration process that involves the generation on one side, so the renewables, but also whoever is using the energy, what we in general here we call customers, but we know that this customers is becoming more complex because the customer are going to be an active player of the system because people may have PV on their roof. So we are completely, I like to say, changing 180 degrees this equation. 
and now focusing and making sure that what used to be the passive element only placing a requirements the customer is now becoming the core around which the network is built. And of course, this means a completely new scaling problem, a new complexity that is not uh, solvable or approachable with the technology we have been using so far. And that's why we need to rethink the principle and that's where we have the challenges today. Thank you. Um, so Antonella, why then is digitalization per se important in this context? What is the role actually of digitalization in all of this? Uh, the role of digitalization is multiple. Um, there is a nice report written by the European, European Technology Innovation Platform, ATIPSnet, about digitalization. And in that report is clearly clarified that digitalization means several things and all of them are contributing to this picture. Digitalization means we need more capability of control of the grid, of the devices in the grid. And this is what I will call the lower layer. Then we need intelligence that is able to orchestrate these systems, and this is the infrastructure digitalization. And then we need also to motivate people in this new situation to be active. And that means we need new business model that can be activated rapidly, and that means again to be digital. So in a nutshell, I see digitalization as the interaction of three layers. One at, let's say, hardware, so really devices. One at the level of automation, grid automation, which is what people used to call the smart grid. And one on top of innovative business layer, which means moving from what we have today to an energy system that is going to be mostly service driven, and which is totally different from the old-fashioned kilowatt hour based business, which was the only one we, we paid by kilowatt hour. And um, we, in a futuristic system, highly driven by renewables with an incremental cost, roughly null, and will make sense to rethink completely what is that we buy and we trade uh, because it's not fossil fuel driven anymore, which means um, that we have to think totally differently. Uh, going a little deeper, I mean, what technical solutions are actually needed in order to make this transformation happen? I mean, what do you see as the most significant solutions uh, within this? And also, I would say, um, is there a challenge in getting those different layers of technical solutions, in a sense, to, to interoperate, to actually work together? Yes, uh, definitely yes. So this last question, but let's start. As you say, the technology is really dealing with the first two layers of what I introduced before. At, at the lowest level, the big change we had in the last 20, 30 years now, I would say, is power electronics. As the power electronics is giving us the capability now to control the flow of energy with extreme accuracy. And that is one of the major tools we have, which allow us this orchestration to operate efficiently. And that is allowing us to integrate a lot of new devices in the system and to make them part of the infrastructure. I was telling about before the need to uh, balancing in and out in the grid. In this context, one important technology is storage. First of all, the easiest solution in this context is clear storage given by battery, but storage can be also a result of interaction with other infrastructure or, or other energy carrier. 
for example, heating and cooling systems integrated with electricity is the main thing. We can have a ma major part of new element of flexibility, but also we say battery, but battery can be of two different categories. It can be stationary battery connected somewhere in the grid, or by we are decarbonizing also the mobility sector. Electric vehicles are battery, but a strange type of battery because they move around, and but they are still a resource of flexibility that allow us to bring this equation power in, power out to an equilibrium and with you know very fast, efficient solution based on powertronics. But then we need to orchestrate, and that will move more and more to the IT element. And that's um, again uh, that's the part closest to my heart. That's where my research is. And, and here we need a heavy involvement of software solution compared to the past, which allows this orchestration. And also moving from concepts that were totally centralized, so one point thinking the solution for the whole system, to a more decentralized intelligence, because things will be spread across the grid, and then the intelligence should be closer to the point. That's why you hear a lot talking about cloud solution, that's the big intelligence, but also edge cloud. And edge cloud means intelligence closer to where the devices are sitting. And these two layers are the element of complexity and challenge that we need to uh, solve at the level of automation. And that's where interoperability because we are, is critical because at the end we are talking about what is say machine to machine systems. So computer talking to computer and trying to solve uh, the complex problem in real time where processing is happening. And and I'll come back to a little bit on that that complexity in a moment. But uh, but before we do that, maybe just a little quick question in terms of how you think the grid operators, the uh, European electricity grid operators, are doing with this. How far in you in your view have they come with this this transformation so far? Okay, yeah, there is a very diverse uh, universe in this respect. Um, first of all. The digitalization, for example, at transmission level started way before for different reasons. Uh, first of all, because in the past grid, in the old grid, distribution grids did were basically passive infrastructure. They didn't need too much of that digitalization, but now they do. Um, but if we focus more on the distribution system operator, given that here our host is EDSO, um, even here we have a a variety of situations which are mostly driven by the situations in the different countries. And, and there are two aspects. One is what is the level of penetration of renewables in a given country, which the highest, the higher the level, the higher is the push for digitalization. And the other element that is driving the difference is also what level of redundancy is in the grid. Um, so there are countries in which the infrastructure has been built in the past with, you know, oversize, so they're kind of able to move slowly. Other countries in which um, the, let's say, richness of the infrastructure is not that uh, big, so that the moving towards digitalization becomes more urgent. And that explains the difference in engagement. So everybody is engaged in the process, but the speed with which the process evolves uh, significantly depend on these two factors. So 
There are countries in which you have high penetration renewables and maybe an infrastructure that is not over dimension. They have to move faster and correspondingly the local grid operator are more active. Countries in which the grid is super <laughs> uh, set and they are digitalizing, but they don't have the same pressure or the pressure may be regional. Um, another aspect is that the world of digital, the, uh, sorry, distribution system operator is also diverse in size. Of course, the bigger they, the, the, the company, the bigger the options to perform such a process because it requires internal knowledge about information technology and, and information technology processes. And of course, a big operator can afford to develop internally these skills. For a small operator, vice versa, this is a challenge in the challenge. And then they're forced to be slower because they don't have internally the capability to quickly transform themselves and to be ready. So th there are very many factors that brings to a very diverse, uh, but all in all, um, let me say optimistic because I see engagement and, and that is anyway moving forward. Now, I mean, one of the questions that will be kind of discussed right now when we're talking about the energy crisis and we're talking about uh, or in the, this concern that is in the market, of course, right now about the, the fact that there may be um, security issues across the whole of Europe with, with energy. Is it better that we kind of think of this grid as individual grid operators, distribution system operators, um, as separate entities and their own their own concerns, their own challenges at different rates? Or should we be kind of thinking at a higher level than that and actually thinking about how they collaborate at a European level because this is going to be a European problem, right? I mean, you're, you're asking me, I'm leading a project called OneNet. I think that is the answer in one word. Uh, what we need uh, to make this system work, so independent from the very timely challenge we have today, um, but in the whole process, it's a better coordination among all the operators at every level. And that's why we, we call this project uh, OneNet, because really um, we need to optimize the overall system, which is an interaction of these players. They all need to talk to everybody. So this is uh, a very important point. It's a European challenge. I agree with your question. Now, now, leading on from that, I mean, we're seeing a situation, therefore, where the transmission and distribution systems are getting blurred, right? So, um, is that what are the risks that DSOs have to watch for in that context? I, I honestly don't really see risks uh, for DSOs. I, I think the situation looks great because, as I say, they are the one in which the transformation is happening. The critical point is the huge number of active players and components that are connected at the edge of the grid that needs to be orchestrated. It's unthinkable to do that at the level one single operator per country. And so the DSOs are really the role to engage locally and create this orchestration in a region and then bring that orchestration in good cooperation with the transmission system operator. That's. Uh, in my view, the, the the new construction, because it's basically a system that used to be top-down, the big systems, big power plant and the energy flowing down, is now a system that is mostly bottom-up. And in this bottom-up process, the first level of integration is really given by the distribution system operator. 
Now, given a bottom-up system, but given also the, the different layers that you've mentioned um, that are all important and the, the need for uh, sort of a slightly high-level intelligence and orchestration and all of that, you know, but thinking nevertheless that, that it is bottom-up and, and at the bottom of that, of course, are the consumers or prosumers or whatever you want to call them. But prosumers anyway are now taking an active role in the future energy market. Um, more so and more so and 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 uh, for very good reason do you think it's the responsibility of the DSOs to help pave the way for this yes definitely they are the one talking to the consumer they are the one physically in contact with the consumer and uh, that's that's exactly you know what I was saying before the, the consumers are the new active player uh, it's a consumer centered great that's what the Commission says and I totally agree with it and the DSO is there to make sure that this is an orchestration that builds the overall big picture. And do you see any challenges along the way, any any conflicts with that in terms of, in terms of on the one hand, trying to manage, uh, for example, the, the grid, manage the demand, making sure that this is orchestrated properly and the, the will of the consumer or the freedom of the consumer. Do you think that that, is that actually something that's, that you would consider a challenge or is actually that something which digitalization enables? Is that something which that if you do it right and you have the right intelligence in that, you are actually enabling that combination of the, 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 the grid responsibility, the grid control and, and at the same time the consumer um, I guess, empowerment, engagement, and freedom as well, to some extent. Yeah, basically, if I go back to my three layers, what you are touching with this question is a, now the interaction between the second and the third layer, so which is basically the grid operator concerned with making sure the infrastructure runs, and the top layer is where the business happens. Of course, the customer would be mostly integrated from the point of view of the third layer, so making sure that everybody has a fair uh, participation in the system, which means creating the proper business uh, models. The grid operator is under that in this architecture to make sure that the infrastructure operates and is continuously there. So I don't see a conflict in this. This is the um, normal situation in which you have an infrastructure operator and somebody running a business on top of this. And the, the point is that the grid operators are independent, unbiased, Operators. That's why there is only one and and regulated, which makes their position totally different because they are not there to compete with somebody else, but they are the warranty. They make sure that the top layer works properly. So it doesn't mean the grid operator will come and, and steer your device. That's not what that means. Um, but there are emergency situations which maybe some special action have to be taken, but the normal process happens independently at the higher layer, and the grid operator is observing and making sure things run properly. Now, a question, of course, that, that is often uh, spoken about is relates to smart meters, and, and notwithstanding the, the benefits that, that uh, they're supposed to bring or can bring or do bring, uh, they've been considered by some as an obstacle to digitalization um, in the sense that in many markets or some markets at least, they are taking quite a, a while to deploy. So what's your take on this? Are they are they more of a, a value add or actually are they in some senses inhibiting or are they in fact not even key in, in the process here of digitalization? Um, 
I think originally what we were calling smart meter, let me call it the first generation, was actually only electronic meters. And that's why the interest was quite mixed in the different countries. What was really the deal from moving from an old-fashioned electromechanical system to a digital one didn't create clear business cases in many situations. Now, what we need in the future, that's where the idea in the smart meter is, in my view, very important. For all the reasons I said before, we need a good communication channel by direction with the customers. So while in the past, the focus was on the traditional billing, and that was the only use case, now this will be the interface to customers to provide entering this service-oriented society. So yes, in parallel, there will be the bill, but it's not the only, is not the main reason why people get connected. And that's where the revolution may happen. So it's an interface that we need, a, a connection that we need, but not the, 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 the smart meter. What I'm hearing is that then the, the smart meter is essentially a means to an end, right? It's, it's uh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and the, the problem at the beginning, focusing too much on this metering part. Mm-hmm. But for the reason I said before, in, in the future, I'm, you know, putting, you know, like 20 years from now, maybe we will not even need a meter because, it, you know, if we go away from a kilowatt hour logic and strictly service, probably we have a completely different way of interfacing. Really interesting. Now, to kind of bring it a little bit to a conclusion here, then, um, if if you're thinking of the way the market is now, thinking of these huge challenges that we have, which are kind of being sort of, um, in a sense, uh, brought to the forefront even by recent happenings in in Europe, um, what what do you think? Is there something specific that you think is absolutely um, critical to to change to make this uh, DSO distribution? Um, a sort of development of digitalization happen as quick as possible? Is there something that you would say, okay, these, this is the, the one or two or three things that, that, that I would like to see change so that we get uh, the maximum digitalization transformation in the shortest time possible? Yes, I, I agree with you. What we are learning these days with the current situation is that we need to speed up. And um, we knew that we were already you know, a little bit too slow in the process, but now we got a clear signals. And when we need to speed up, I think there is one word that makes sense, which is cooperation. And when it means cooperation, bring it to a completely different level. And in my view, uh, one critical element for this cooperation concept is to move more and more in direction of open source automation solutions that will enable a faster development, a automatic interoperability and then easier deployment and this to me is a is a clear decision that we have to take we are already going in that direction but we have to to be a little bit more audacious in this process really step forward and, and making a core point of our transformation which again is not killing any business model of anybody is actually, as either other business sector showed, is just the way to be fast in a business. If you say the communication, telecommunication business, that's the way it works. All the cloud computing business, that's the way it works. We have to learn from this business and see how fast they change so that also our energy system can change at the same speed. So enabling 
new business models or business models in the interest of, of getting this thing moving as fast as we can. And um, dear Antonella, uh, this has been a, a real great pleasure discussing with you today to uh, pick your brain and to hear your thoughts on this. And uh, and I think it, there's an awful lot of uh, challenge ahead of us, uh, but also some some really great, I think, opportunity. And um, and I think we we've seen today that there are clear ways forwards for this. And uh, I guess we just have to move as fast as we can to move in that direction. Antonella, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. I really enjoyed the interaction with you today. Thank you very much. And thank you to the audience for listening and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.